Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 23 where we talk to Teresa P. And what we're going to be talking about today is Teresa faces multiple addictions alongside mental health issues. So that's called dual diagnosis. So we're going to have a little bit of a different discussion than we're used to. And uh, I'll hand it over to you, Teresa. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Tell us about growing up. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I'm Teresa P. I am a compulsive gambler, a compulsive spender, and I also suffer from mental health issues of depression and anxiety. Um, I grew up being the youngest of four children. I, the eldest is 18 years older than myself. And then I have another sibling that is 17 years older than me and my brother who is two years, 10 months older than myself. Um, I grew up in a really wonderful home. I, I, my parents were the best parents a child could honestly ever ask for, Jim. And I consider myself blessed. I know that not many people that have active addictions are blessed with that type of upbringing. For me, I distinctly remember growing up always wanting to buy you know, buy things, stuff. I never understood the concept of saving my money. My mom told me when I, as an adult, that I was a lot like my father, where he could see, you know, the money coming in and think of what he could always buy next. And that's kind of how I was growing up for me. And I guess I never really outgrew that, Jim. I don't know why. I just never did. I never understood the concept of saving money. And I know when I got into my uh, preteen years, looking back, I remember now um, feeling depressed and I look back and I see that you know at the age of 12 I was suffering from depression because at the time my dad was going through a lot of health issues and you know I at the time I didn't know what depression was so when you were depressed did you end up spending more to try to make yourself feel better as a child no but as an adult, yes. It's been repeated throughout my lifetime. Um, part of me, when I, when I do get depressed and I go out and compulsively spend, I do it, you know, I think of it like, you know, Hold on here. I need to figure out how in the heck I want to say this. It makes me feel better, and it's almost like a high once I go and get something that I've always wanted. Whether I had 
enough money for other things or not. I pray that makes sense. I One example is I've always been an avid Star Trek uh, I love Star Trek, basically. I, I was really into the shows and everything, and I remember seeing this tri-dimensional chest set at Mall of America, and at the time, it was like three dollars $400. Well, I wanted it, so I went out and got it. It wasn't until like four months later I look back and it's like, God, why did I spend my money on that? And I also remember coming home with it and my mom got on my case because she couldn't figure out why I would spend that much money on a tri-dimensional chess set. And tri-dimensional chess is something that is played in Star Trek. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's something... Where it's also, it kind of sucks that it's four months later that you decide you don't like it because it's not like you can return it now. Exactly. <clears throat> and that's just one of many examples throughout my lifetime that has been repeated. What age did this all start? Because you said you had a good childhood. So what what point in life did you start doing all this? Uh, in my late teens and early 20s, Jim, that's when it really started taking off, you know, my compulsive spending and my mental health issues. Is that why? So nothing happened at home to make your like stuff kick in? Like, did was there a specific event somewhere in your life that made your mental health issues go off? And do you think that mental health issues going off led to your addiction? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Because I know when the year after I graduated high school, I was in college and my dad was going, was um, having major surgery to have his heart fixed. And then he ended up getting a stroke he also lost his left leg, and that got me into trouble with the law at the time. And within that year, I did try to commit suicide, and I did confess this to my doctor, and I know that my doctor wanted me to get help. He also put me on medication for the depression. I What quite Why... Did you ever recognize why you tried to kill yourself? Was there like a trigger that was set off? Just my um, dad's health and then he ended up dying and all of that. And at the time, I just didn't want to live anymore. It was all that stuff piling up. Yeah. And I know that I wasn't thinking clearly, and I see that now looking back. At the time, I really didn't recognize it as a mental health issue. I guess I was young and naive and just didn't put, you know, make all the connections. Yeah, many of us don't. Many of us don't. 
I don't think I got properly diagnosed until my mid-twenties. So I was a wild kid. Yeah, that was something my teachers in school did not want to get me as a student. Like, they literally said that amongst themselves, supposedly. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I remember one year, um, my one class, the teacher goes, the infamous Jimmy Rachels. And I'm like, oh, boy. Here we go. Um, but the teachers ended up liking me. So what do you call it? Let's get back to you. So yes, all this stuff piling up probably led to your suicide attempt. And then at what point did you start? What point did you recognize you had a problem with the compulsive spending? And, the, and you said, and you also said it's compulsive gambling, correct? Correct. Um, it wasn't until about five years ago, actually, when I was about uh, thirty nine, forty, that I realized I had a gambling issue. What's what's thirty nine, forty? My age. Um. Oh, okay. My apologies. When I was at the age of thirty nine, forty years old. So we're kind of fast forwarding from my early 20s now to age 39 and 40. Okay. Um, and let me give you a little recap for those years that we're kind of skimming over. In that time, I struggled with my liquor intake. My, um, I did have issues on and off with buying lottery tickets or spending too much money at a casino when given the chance. What was the, what was the amount of money you would spend? If you don't mind me asking. Um, it would be anywhere from like 50 to a hundred dollars at a time. Okay. It was periodic. It wasn't continual until I reached about the age of 39, 40 where I really started having a problem and got, and it got to the point where I was spending over a thousand dollars in a month. Basically at this time I was a single mom and I was getting my daughter's child support and some other help as well. And I was gambling online and for some reason, I couldn't stop. And also, I would just keep going, and I distinctly remember one day I got a notice from the bank that my bank, you know, that I had overdrawn my checking account. And I did tell my mother, who at the time I was still living with, until we were going somewhere, and I asked her, is it okay if, you know, you would pay for this? And she turned and looked at me and asked, well, don't you have money? And I had to tell her, I go, no, I don't. I overdrew my checking account. And she took a look at me and she asked, what do you mean? And that's when I had to sit down and tell her, I said, mom, I think I'm, a ga I think I'm, a, I'm addicted to gambling. And she looked at me and she goes, you need to get some help. And I said, I know, mom. And 
within a couple of days, I ended up going into my first meeting, Jim. And I had gone online to see if there was a Gamblers Anonymous meeting area. And there wasn't any within like a 40-minute drive from me. So mom and I talked and agreed that I would attend an AA meeting to see if they would take me. Thankfully, they did. They said, doesn't matter. You're here for help. It's the same 12 steps, you know, for any addiction. So going into my first meeting, I was scared. And I remember seeing people that I knew out in the community. And when everybody was introducing themselves, you know, their name and then, you know, I am an alcoholic. For When it got to me, I introduced myself. I said, I'm Teresa and I'm a gambling addict. And when I said those words, Jim, it was terrifying. I was so scared. Words can't describe how scared I was. I can only imagine... Feeling kind of like an outsider, I guess. Exactly. And I guess I was blessed in the fact that this AA group, which was only 15 minutes from my house, agreed to take me in as a gambling addict. You know, because they figured, you know, Hey, you're an addict. You need help. You're here for a reason. Yes, please join us. And after my first meeting, my mom agreed to help me out. And with the understanding, I would have to pay her back the money that she gave me. And within a year, I did pay her off. And the money that I had used... I knew I had to somehow set aside to, for my, you know, set aside in in like a savings to try and make up for the money I kind of took and used for my gambling. And over the course of the next two years, I was doing great. I had stopped gambling. And, you know, I'm, and at this point in time, I was saving money. The drawback was I was not working the 12 steps. I had not gotten a sponsor. Even though I was attending the meetings. And also... I was still on my on medication from my early twenties for my depression. Is there, let me ask you a question: and, is, is there a reason that you didn't go and try to get a sponsor? No, I guess I didn't think I needed it. Why did you think that? I figured <clears throat> just going to the meetings and you know it would help me stay so you know clean. 
Which, let me tell you, backfired on me, Jim. I look back and think, man, that was stupid not getting a sponsor. I thought I could just handle it by going to meetings and not gamble. But, like I said, within, you know, that did backfire because two and a half years into, you know, attending meetings... I ended up having a severe relapse. What do you mean Um, by severe? What's your definition of severe? Well, I'm glad you asked. For when I found out that my mom had stage four cancer, I started going out and gambling and spending. Over the course of six months, I used about five figures worth of money. Which is a lot of money to me. It's a lot of money to anyone, I think. Yeah. I know in GA, Gamblers Anonymous, it is frowned on to give an exact amount. That's why I only said five figures. Um, and six months into my relapse, um, after my mom had passed and we buried her, two months later, I had a severe anxiety panic attack, Jim. And it scared the hockey sticks out of me. You had never had one before, I'm assuming? It was your first one ever? I mean, it took two friends who dropped everything, came rushing over to my house. It took them over two hours. Did you call them? Calm enough. Were you the one that called them? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if maybe a family member did. Oh, you know what I mean? To help. Mm-hmm. At but, the time, I was still living at the farm with my daughter. And they came over, and it took them over two hours to calm me down. Enough where they felt they could actually leave me safe at home. Because my, they said that my thinking and everything was irrational. And... You know, that evening, I, it got me really thinking. It's like, my God, what, you know, what am I doing? I went online and Googled my symptoms and found out, God, that was, that was an anxiety attack. And I read and read and, you know, Looking back over the last month and a half, good grief. I've had all these symptoms of severe anxiety. Yeah. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do this anymore. I said, my gambling and my spending are out of control. He said, 
I told myself, I said, I need help. I can't continue this life anymore. So you were basically taking the first step. Because the first step is, you know, your life had become unmanageable and you could not control your addiction. That's our first step in Acts Anonymous. That's the first step and, and, for all addictions. No, yeah, absolutely. I should have said that. Because we got ours from AA. Exactly. Because <clears throat> what all other groups do, um, like NA and OA, well, OA actually uses the Alcoholics Anonymous book, but NA just uses the Alcoholics Anonymous 10, 12 steps. Correct. Our 10 steps are just a little bit different, but the same first, <laughs> the same first step. Yeah, um, basically, I just, it just hit me that, you know, one, my life, you know, I was a compulsive gambler. I was a, you know, and my life was unmanageable. Secondly, I realized that not only was my depression bad, but I had severe anxiety and I needed to go in and get a mental health checkup. Let me tell you, that was scary. For starters, I had to go to my, you know, group, my AA group that I was going to and admit that the last six months I had been coming. I've been going out and gambling and coming back to the meetings, acting like everything was fine. I was living a lie for six months. That wasn't easy for me to admit. By the grace of God, everybody said, you know, it happens to all of us and that I wasn't alone. And that gave me great relief. Additionally, within two weeks, I had gone, made the appointment to see my general doctor. And I went in and I explained my symptoms and he said, I need some help. My doctor did give me medication. And I did start taking it. And within a few weeks, it really was helping me. I had... Finally, then, also gotten a sponsor in the meantime. And I started working the steps, Jim. And for the first time, it felt good. Having a sponsor to call every week and, you know, just say, hey, this has happened. Or how does this work? You know and other things about life and getting that response back. And my sponsor told me I had to, you know, make sure that whenever there was anything going on and I wasn't sure I was to call. And I did. It really has helped me having the sponsor go through the steps with me and just be there, you know, to listen to me when, you know, something happens and I don't know what to do instead of trying to deal with it on my own. Because reality is, 
I messed up my life trying to do it myself. Yeah, I think there's a lot of us out there who did. And it's good to know you're not alone, you know? Don't don't feel like you're the only one that's made this mistake. I, exactly. I and I know when I got to step four, five, six, and seven. Step four was the hardest for me, Jim. To sit down. Right, you know, go through my life and write everything down. It scared the, excuse me, hell out of me. Pardon my language. <laughs> That's okay. I was scared. I was totally terrified. But the more I thought and wrote down and did it exactly as my sponsor told me, Part of it was starting to set me free, Jim. It's something I can't explain. It was like a weight being lifted off my shoulders. And once I finished my fourth step, the fifth step, yes, I was scared, but also I was excited. Scared because I was going to have to share some of my deepest, darkest secrets. And gosh forbid somebody ever find out about any of it. But I also was excited because I knew once I got this out, it was going to help me shed some weight off my shoulders. And after that fifth step, it was like, all of a sudden, I had this spiritual awakening. And it felt like I could just fly. That's something that the founder of AA had, Bill W. He was in the hospital one time, and he had a spiritual experience. They used to send him to the hospitals back in the day, and... They called it just drying them up for a few days, making sure they got plenty of fluids and ate right, and then they release them um, back into the wild. But while he was there, he had a spiritual experience. Uh, it was this guy, Dr. Silkworth, that helped him along. But let's not get too much into that. <laughs> I can go yeah, on. That for... is true. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great journey for them. This is the only reason we're talking right now, if you think about it. So we, yes, that is very true. So we we owe their 12 steps quite a bit, quite a bit. I don't think some people don't recognize that. If you're in any type of recovery, we owe yep. it. It's nothing to do with alcoholics. It's the fact that it's just written by those type of guys. But so what are you like now spiritually? Because um, you, you said... You were on step six and seven, and that's, you know, when God, having God ready to remove all the defects. and then Yep, defects of character. And, you know, once I completed, <clears throat> you know, that, you know, up through step seven, it was like, wow. And 
And for those of us who don't know. No, and then also doing the rest of the steps just was icing on the cake for me. In reference to my relationship with God, which goes back to steps one, two, and three, I feel. Growing up, I was brought up in the Lutheran church, and I've always had a special connection to God. Yes, at times, um, I may have strayed for any number of reasons, but I always have come back. And God's always been there for me. It really became apparent after my relapse and working, starting to work the steps again, that I was seeing the miracles that God had for me. Because I distinctly remember praying one day. I said, God, I need money to help pay for, you know, X, Y, and Z. I said, what am I going to do? And I said this out loud. And within two days, he provided me with the money I needed to pay my bills. And this has happened several times where it's like, Lord, I'm running low on money. What am I going to do? You know, and well, always within a couple of days, you know, God provided that money. And as for food, I, that's, no, that's just been actually a heaven sent because God has made sure I gotten food through the food, local food shelf because I know I've had to go there because I was running low on food. And thankfully, I received what we needed for the month, which also helped with my finances. And I've never once had to worry about, you know, providing food for my daughter or me. And I know, I I feel God with me more and more. And I guess for me, I'm lucky that and grateful to have God in my life. I do, I've had challenges, you know, giving my will over to him. I still struggle with that occasionally. And I guess from some of the old timers, they said that, you know, will lessen over time. It's something that one does need to work on. It doesn't come naturally. And I'm starting to see that they're right. The more I pray to God and asking God to, you know, take over my life each day, the more and more I see that God is. And on the days I forget to pray and ask him to guide me, and I choose to do my own will, things don't work out too terribly well for me. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
what do you do now to keep yourself sober? One, I contact my sponsor several times a week. I've completed all 12 steps. Awesome. That's really, really, really awesome. And also, I go to as many AA meetings as I pass, you know, as I can. I know for a while I was going to one every day that first year. And now I've backed off down to just two meetings a week for AA meetings. I also have picked up, though, some online GA meetings through Zoom. And I try to attend one of those every day. And I found a particular website, gamblersinrecovery.com website. And on that website, they have a list of meetings that go around the clock. Yeah, it's awesome. And people from all around the planet attend these meetings. They're anytime, they're at, you know, 24 hours, there's always a meeting. And I, there's a group that is based off the West Coast called Recovery Road Online, or RRO, that I, and I've connected with this group. They have in-person meetings out on the West Coast, and they have several Zoom meetings throughout the day. I've been attending those pretty much religiously for the last month. And I've made so many friends. And the wisdom I have gained going to the AA meetings and these GA meetings, I, words can't describe the knowledge I've gained. Yeah, I mean, it's great. And the one thing I like about meetings is you hear from <clears throat> all different types of people. It doesn't matter how long you're sober, whether it's a month or a year or 10 years. Everybody usually can have something to contribute to the conversation. Exactly. And, you know, and just recently I had switched doctors and I had to go in for another mental health checkup. And... I said, you know, I need more help. Actually, this was about two months ago. <clears throat> I said, I told him that, you know, I was an impulsive gambler, which was hard for me to admit to my doctor. Because my previous doctor, I just didn't feel that it was a good thing to tell him. So... I basically didn't trust this other doctor. So you seek therapy? Pardon? So you were seeking therapy. I just want to clear that up. Yes. Okay. And with this new doctor, I said, you know, the other meds for my anxiety aren't working. You know, I said, one, I've gained 50 pounds over the course of the last eight months on, you know, well, I've been on this medication. 
and other health issues came into play. And I said, I also wanted to be tested for bipolar or other mental health you know, challenges that maybe I'm not aware that I have. And him and I had a couple of visits and it was about then that I realized that, you know, I, it's not just a gambling addiction I have. I'm also a compulsive spender. And I have not been managing my money. So I did have to tell my doctor this. And that wasn't easy for me to share with my doctor. But the blessing is my doctor gave me no judgment. My doctor asked, you know, how long have you been clean with gambling? And I told him, I said, it'll be two years in October, which just passed. So I just got two years gamble free, October 30th. And I had to share also that I was just starting day one with my compulsive spending. And he actually was very proud of me that, you know, I was getting the mental help I needed to go along with my addiction. Yeah, for people like us, because I also suffer from bipolar as well as addiction issues, um, staying on top of it is very, very important. Like, if you if you are taking meds, if you're going to therapy regularly, just doing what you are supposed to do is really what helps like you can't skip one day of medication or two days of medication and think it's okay you have to make sure you're on top of that stuff you know exactly and also a few months also in this short time period a couple months back i had slipped into a severe anxiety time where it basically almost paralyzed me jim and god opened up my mind and told me I need to get in and be honest. Honest about, you know, my mind. That I had to face the fact that, yes, you have two addictions. You haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing these last couple of years. And your life is a complete disaster. So I've had a second rock bottom in a way and this time it's with my compulsive spending and my doctor you know wanted me to go seek a specialist to help me get tested for to see if I have any other mental health challenges per my request because bipolar runs in my family Jim who else had who else has it in your family um my grandmother mother and I feel that my brother is bipolar and I also have a sister that has been clinically diagnosed as being bipolar 
And both of them and my brother and sister self-medicate and do not take medication, prescription medication for this. They choose to use liquor. And with my grandmother and mother, they had a just a one episode of bipolar. So they are full-blown alcoholics? My brother and sister, you mean? Yeah. Correct. Okay. They, they both have been full-blown alcoholics for at least 20-plus years. And they have no interest in getting better? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Just curious. Interesting. I have not spoken to my one sister in over 20 years. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, actually, it's for the best because she started choosing not to take her medication, and I wanted nothing to do with that. You know, I had to do it for my own mental health, you know, cut ties with her. As for my brother, I, him and I have not spoke in a year and a half because after our mom died, they're going over her estate stuff took a severe toll on my mental health. And I figured, well, I need to cut out the toxic people from my life because he was an alcoholic and I didn't want that in my life. I didn't want another form of addiction around me to bring me into it. And also I had not, no, none of my siblings know that I'm a gambling addict because I just didn't feel I don't feel it would help our relationship as siblings. So none of your siblings know about this? Correct. Part of it is fear of them rejecting me, I know. Okay. I, I pray one day that God will help me overcome that hurdle, Jim and be able to open up and be honest with them about it. Maybe even give them the link to this podcast. Correct. They know that one day God will help me overcome that hurdle. And it's going to be in God's time. His will will be done for me and through me. I see that, you know, God places different things in our lives for a reason. And I'd like to um, touch on something, Jim, if I may. Um, my mental health is something that I never, I always have set aside. I've never confronted it head on until God intervened one day a couple months back and told me I had to. Now, I'm not afraid to say that, yes, I suffer from anxiety. 
Yes, I suffer from depression. Yes, bipolar does run in my family. I'm not scared to say that anymore. And I'm, part of me is proud to say that I have these challenges. I'm not scared to say, yes, I am a gambling addict, and yes, I am a compulsive spender. Let me show you or tell you about the journey where I have been and where and how I plan on overcoming these challenges for my future. Because I know in the last two months, Jim, I've actually made a budget for myself. I sat down and did this by myself on my own. That's great. And, and in these last two months, all my bills have been paid on time. I have money set aside for the larger bills that come due once a year. I have that set aside and ready. And it's through the grace of my higher power, Jim, that I have, you know, everything that other normal people have. It's a blessing. And honestly, I wish that my mom and dad could see where I'm at today. I know it would make my mother very proud to see me today with being financially responsible and working towards bettering myself. And I couldn't have done it without actually working the program, going to the meetings, having a sponsor, doing the steps, sharing my story like I am today. And that's amazing. I mean, that is a great story of all the stuff you've been through and how you've recovered from it and how you're staying sober. It's a great story you got there. Yes, to me it's a blessing. And... One, I found that I, for me, I had to be open to what God wanted me to do, my higher power. And once I was able to do that, God has started working through me. And the promises of each of the programs do come true. Yes, sometimes slowly, like with me. Yes, I've been in the program five years. And some of the steps have come back repeatedly, you know, not steps, but the promises have shown, came up repeatedly, while others have taken up until just now to show itself. And it's the greatest feeling in the world to be able to say, I can function close to like every other responsible, productive adult. 
You know, I just want to say thank you so much for having these podcasts and having your Facebook group and allowing me to share my my story, my struggles, and also my joys as well. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank um, you know that that means a lot to me because that's pretty much what I want to do. That's why I try to not talk way too much, just throwing my tidbit here and there. But yeah, I really appreciate that very very much. I think that's a good place to end it. Did you have anything else you wanted to say as far as maybe advice or just anything you wanted to say before we head off? Um, basically. And I know that our listeners may have already heard this in the podcast. You know, it's perfection. I mean, it's progress, not perfection. Also, one has to work the steps. Get a sponsor. Go to meetings. Yes, meetings do make it, along with doing these other things as well. It is a lot of work. It's a lot to process. Yes, many people have relapses. Many of us that do have relapses have made it through to the other side and work only in a 24-hour time period to achieve sobriety it's possible and as for your higher power however you see this higher power believe in it embrace it and welcome it and thank you again Jim for everything you do I'm privileged and I feel honored to be on your podcast today God bless you And God bless you, too. Thank you so much. So, folks, if you like what you heard here, give us a rating on iTunes. Also, check out our Facebook group, as Teresa mentioned. You can check under the Events tab. We have a bunch of Zoom meetings always scheduled um, throughout the week and upcoming next week. And that's all I have for today. So, until next time.